Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Every time we open the door, never want to take that for granted. I'm going to ask you to, if you have your Bibles, to turn to the book of Matthew, chapter 26. Again, what a privilege and an honor it is to stand before each one of you tonight. I certainly never want to take that for granted. I love each and every one of you to the ends of the earth. I love this church. I love God's people. I'm so thankful to be in the house with his people. Matthew chapter 26 and verse 36. We're going to have... Quite a lengthy reading, so if you would, just bear with me. The Bible says, Then Jesus, then cometh Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane, and saith unto the disciples, Sit ye here while I go, and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and began to be very sorrowful and very heavy. And saith he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here. And watch with me. And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And he cometh unto the disciples and findeth them asleep and saith unto Peter, What could ye not watch with me one hour? Verse 41, Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And he went away again the second time and prayed, saying, O my Father, if this cup may not pass away from me except I drink it, thy will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy, and he left them and went away again and prayed the third time, saying the same words. And then cometh he to his disciples and saith unto them, Sleep on now and take your rest. Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. I'm going to be a little bit transparent with you tonight. I've, I've struggled with this, but I, I, want to, I want to do what God, I believe God is leading me to do tonight. And and just for a title right now, it may not make a whole lot of sense right now, but from, from verse 41, I want to take my thought where he says, watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. And just for a few moments tonight, I just want to talk to you from this subject, the greatest battle. Would you lay your Bibles down and would you lift your hands and would you earnestly pray for God to speak tonight? Lord, God, I stand before you humble. I stand before you unworthy, God, to stand behind this desk. Yet, 
I believe that you've given me something to say, God, and I ask you in Jesus' name, Lord, to let it be said. I'm asking you to anoint these lips of clay, God. Anoint my mind to speak what you've given me, God, the way that you have, in the spirit, Lord, that you have given it. And I'm asking you, Lord, to touch our minds and our hearts and our eyes and our ears, God, that we may hear what the Spirit is saying in this final hour, God. We give you praise, we give you glory and honor forever and ever in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. <clears throat> may be seated. Just a brief overview of the scripture we read. Jesus is about to suffer the crucifixion and the stage is set for everything that he's spoken to be in fulfillment. He's spoken his disciples so often about his impending crucifixion. The Passover has been celebrated and the Lord's Supper has been instituted. The time has come and, and Jesus' betrayal is, is imminent. And he takes his disciples into the Garden of Gethsemane and it's the place where he will begin his passion. And he commands them to watch and to pray. Yet the heaviness of sleep befalls them, and Peter and the sons of Zebedee, they succumb to that slumber. Now we have to remember that this is not the first time that Jesus has instructed this watch and pray. He, he speaks of the impending end time in, in the 13th chapter of Mark, and he also does this again in the 21st chapter of Luke. And I don't stand here tonight as someone that is an expert in the end time. I don't even begin to, to say that I am. Yet I feel drawn to this and I, I just couldn't stay away from it. You're probably going to hear a lot of things tonight that you've already heard. You're probably not going to hear anything new or maybe even anything profound. But I just feel God just nudging me in this direction particularly what Jesus says in Mark chapter 13 and 37 is, and what I say unto you, I say unto all. Watch. One translation says, stay at your post and keep watch. And so tonight, I, I just have to think that we're no different than James and John and Peter in that uh, we could fall into that same situation, the same mindset. They've, they've heard Jesus walk. They've walked with him. They've talked with him. And, and they've heard for the space of three plus years how he must suffer and he must die. But it would be in the forefront of their minds, you would think. Maybe it was. and Maybe it wasn't. I'm not here to debate that tonight. But I'm just saying that we have the same ability to become the same way in that we've heard all of our lives that Jesus is going to return. He's coming back for a church. We've heard that we're living in the last days. And we see that those proclamations and those prophecies are manifesting themselves around us, even in our own lives and world at a rapid pace. Yet, I tell you, we still have that ability to slumber. We have the ability to fall asleep at the wheel, so to speak, and become 
oblivious to the things going on around us. I'm not saying tonight that we should live in constant fear or constant worry of things like that. Jesus himself told us not to become fixed on those things alone. But he said to watch and to pray. Essential to survival in these days. Those two ingredients must be at the forefront of every child of God's life. They must be active and they must be used every day. My eyes must be open and an active prayer life needs to be instituted in my life in order to effectively fight this battle. And that's what we're in today, folks. We're in a battle. Whether we believe it or not, it's a real live battle. The word watch literally means to watch, to give strict attention to, to be cautious and active, to take heed lest through remission and indolence some destructive calamity suddenly overtake one, to arouse from sleep, to awake. I must, absolutely must, keep my faculties about me. I must stay vigilant. I must stay aware of everything that is going on around me if I'm going to survive. Because the fact of the matter is this. The rapture of the church will take place and because no man knows the hour, it is absolutely imperative that we stay on guard. Why? Why do we stay on guard? Aside from being ready when he comes, the Bible says emphatically that we have an enemy that is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He's roaming the earth and he's looking for every one of us that he can catch off guard. I'm telling you, he will catch you off guard if we're not careful. He's also roaming and he's looking for those that he can lull to sleep and that's the battle that's the battle that I'm talking about tonight it's the battle of overcoming the mindset of falling asleep one of the greatest battles that any child of God will fight will be in the mind there was an old slogan in the 80's that was coined uh, the mind is a terrible thing to waste I, I know you remember that I can't remember if it was about drugs or reading books I can't remember but I do remember that (laughs) but that's true because your mind a sharp mind is the greatest asset one of the greatest assets that any human being will possess and the enemy of our soul he understands this and his goal is to take over our mind his goal is to alter our thinking and he'll use anything and everything that he can but one of the most uninvasive One of the most dangerous and subtle is complacency. If he can somehow trick you or me into thinking that time is on our side and sitting back and not engaging in this battle is okay, then he has essentially won the war for that soul. Spiritually sleeping is what I'm talking about. It's not an option. Casual Christianity is not an option. Complacent living, inverted into my own self and into my own life is simply not an option. I must watch and pray. Simply coming in and finding a pew to wait out eternity has got to be over. 
I've got to wake up out of slumber and get with the program because the world and the enemy is singing a lullaby. It's trying to get me to lay back and, and, and just listen and, and, and let it just take me off into oblivion. But I've got to turn the sound of that off and I've got to tune in to the voice and the purpose of God. And I've got to fight this real enemy because it is a real war. And it is high time to engage in the battle. The, the, the Bible says in Romans 13, 11, and that knowing the time that now is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Paul many times speaks about armor. He speaks about spiritual weapons and putting on the whole armor of God. He said in Ephesians 6 and 10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that, me, that you be, may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand in the evil day having your loins girt about with truth and having the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace and above all taking the shield of faith wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, watching. Thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Paul understood quite well that we're in a spiritual battle. He knew that it was a battle of the mind when he said put on the helmet of salvation. He also said in 2 Corinthians, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. The enemy in the world that we live in is attempting to gain my attention and alter my thinking. We're inundated with junk on a daily basis. We're inundated with it. That It tries to get our attention and it tries to get our thoughts and our thinking off of what matters and on to things that don't. But if I'm effective in combat, I'll use the weapons of our warfare. Now the weapons are not carnal. So for me to be in order to use those weapons, I myself cannot be carnal. I must stay in the spirit and I must cultivate an on-fire relationship with God Almighty. I've got to separate myself and find a place to get alone with Him and allow Him to put some things in my heart. I've got to take time to saturate my mind, not with the things of this world, 
but with the word and allow his spirit to overtake me and mold me and to cover me and to mold me in my thinking. God says to be ye separate. Come out from among them. Be ye holy for I am holy. Those are not arbitrary statements. He's trying to make us understand something. That the world has a tendency to draw. And if I allow it to draw me in, then I'll eventually become identified with the world. And that's where I'll get my answers. That's where I'll look for my answers because that's who I'll identify with. But my identity tonight must be in the Word and not in the world. Everything I need, can I tell you everything that I need is in this book. It's written in its pages. Everything, every answer to every question is in this book. In these two leather-bound covers from Genesis to Revelation, any answer to any question, it's found there. That's not a pipe dream. That's not just something we say. It's absolute truth. We can find what we need in this word. That's where my direction must come from. And I must be intentional about my direction. Absolute identity of how man is supposed to live is outlined in that word. And I can never, ever let go of that principle. Jesus said, he said to watch and pray that we enter not into temptation because he understood that no man or no woman on earth is exempt from temptation. It's all around us. As I said before, the world is doing everything that it can to tempt us. It makes no qualms about tempting us. It's not ashamed about tempting us. I believe that that's by design, whether it's billboard ads or television or radio ads or whatever it may be, magazines, we're saturated with sight and sound of complete enticement. Buy this, eat this, go here, do this, indulge, let go, you deserve this. There's something much more sinister underlying in this propaganda. It's a strategic placement of roadblocks to come into our lives attempting to advert our attention off of what truly matters. It's a way to advert our eyes off the weightier matters of life and make us focus on non-essential, non-eternal things. It's an attempt to get us to back away from our calling, to dismiss his mandate and reroute our lives down a road that is impending spiritual slumber but I've got to be vigilant because absolutely no man is exempt Hebrews tells us 4 and 15 for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin even Jesus was subject to temptation we find him in the wilderness after he's been driven there and he's fasted for 40 days and he's tired, he's hungry and he's tempted of the devil however it's his consecration that helped him endure every attack of the enemy the Bible says that he was led of the spirit into the wilderness he had fasted 40 days and was hungry and the tempter came to him and said if thou be the son of God command that these stones be made bread but Jesus answered and said it is written 
Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Then the devil taketh him up into a holy city and setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple, saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against the stone. The devil knows the word too. And he'll trick you, or he'll try to trick you. We've got to stay vigilant. Jesus said unto him, and it is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Again, the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain, and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world. He saith unto him, All these things will I give, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. And Jesus saith unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Make these stones bread. This is my source. I don't get my nourishment from physical things. It's from this word that proceeded out of his mouth when he said, let there be. Let there be, let there be, let there be. That's the word. It's Jesus. It's all wrapped up in him. And that's where I get my nourishment from. That's where I get my sustenance from. I, I don't get it from the world. That's not my source. My source is him. Bow down and worship me and I'll give you power. We're all subject to this. The God of heaven is the only one that I'm going to serve. He's the only one that I'm going to worship. Opportunity after opportunity, he was tempted just like we are. He was tempted to step away and to back away from the calling that was on his life and, and the, the, the mandate that was on his life. He was tempted to circumvent the will of God. But he didn't let the flesh override the spirit. And since he's my example, I've got to do the same thing. He's my example, so the same mandate is upon my life. You see, I can't afford to let this flesh override the spirit. I've got to stay in the spirit. Otherwise, the only other option is slumber. David said in Psalm 13 and 3, Consider and hear me, O Lord, my God. Lighten mine eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest mine enemy say, I have prevailed against him, and those that trouble me rejoice when I am moved. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 6, Therefore let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. Let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for an helmet, <laughs> the hope of salvation. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. It's time I get serious. It's time I get serious about living for God. It's time I get serious about winning souls. It's time I get serious about living holy and separated from the world. It's time I get serious about being who he called me to be. There are several stages of sleep each 
resulting in more difficulty of waking up. And I'm not going to get off into that because that is the most ununderstandable stuff I've ever read. <laughs> there, there are several sages of sleep. Let's just nail that down. Falling into those is a very gradual process. You never really know the moment you fall completely asleep. You just sort of drift. Much like a boat without an anchor, you just drift. Not being able to really tell where you're going or where you're going to end up. You just sort of end up somewhere. The natural, you can't do anything when you're asleep. You can't protect your family. You can't protect your home or your stuff. You're asleep. And the deeper you're there, the harder it is for you to come out. Spiritually speaking, if you're asleep, you can't protect your family. You can't protect your stuff. And ultimately, that's what the enemy is after. He's after everything that God has given you. He's after your family. It's not a game. He really is after everything that God has given us. If you don't pray, you can't protect them. I've got a mandate to protect my family. I've been called to be the priest of my household. I have a charge over me to pray covering over that lady right there and that baby. I can't do that when I'm asleep. I've got to be awake. My eyes have got to be open. My mind has got to be set. And I've got to get up every day and I've got to pray a covering over them because their lives are too important to let slip by. They're, they're too important to me and they're too important to God. Ultimately, they belong to him. And he's given me them for just a little while. I can't allow the enemy to sink his teeth in or, or even one finger into them. I've got to be vigilant. I have a household to protect. I've got a family to protect. I've got a church family to protect and pray for. Huh. I hope you know I'm talking to me tonight. Just give me a little bit of liberty just to talk to me tonight. I've got to fight against the temptation to relax and let go. I've got to combat the desire to just slowly drift. I've got to fight with everything that is within me. As a child, I used to fight sleep. I don't mean fight sleep. I mean fight sleep. I didn't want to go to sleep. I, I was always afraid that I would miss something. Saturday mornings I was up at the crack of dawn. I don't find myself fighting it as much. 34 going on. 
And I don't fight it. In fact, I welcome it. Just let me sleep. <laughs> I finally got a job where I was off on Saturdays. I was sleeping on Saturdays. Nope. We got a little girl now. And she fights sleep harder than I did. Because she don't want to miss nothing. I got to thinking about that. I was like, you know, when you're a kid, man, you just fight sleep. You want to stay up till, till dawn and never go to bed. Please let me stay up just one more hour, just five more minutes. I didn't need sleep back then. Man, I need it now. Much as I can get. I thought about that. And I, it, you just think about it, you equate that to a, a life living for God. You get the Holy Ghost. You're on fire for God, man. You're a witness to the fence post. Come to church, come to church. Come see a man, come to church. I want to be in this word so much I can taste it. Every moment I get, every second I get, I'm in this word. I'm reading its pages. I'm soaking up everything I can get. All the preaching I can get, all the singing I can get because I just need to feel him. As I get older, <laughs> maybe I get to a point where I can take it or leave it. Become calloused and sometimes cynical. We can come to a point. We can. I'm not saying we do. I'm just saying we can. Come to a point where it, it doesn't matter. I sure hope this is over soon. I got something I need to do. Wish she'd hurry up, man. Hardy's closes at 9.30 on Wednesday nights. I know that sounds funny, but that slumber, it just sort of kind of weaves its way into our lives, and into our walk with God, and we become lukewarm and withdrawn and unproductive. We've got, I've got to fight with everything that is within me not to get to that point. I want to return to my first love. I want to return to my first love. And I want to have an unquenchable desire to be in the house of God, with the people of God, with God. I want to do everything I can to be everything that he wants me to be. I've got to diligently work at that. It doesn't come natural. The fact of the matter is he's coming. He's coming back for a church. And he's not going to come back for a weak church. He's not coming back for a sickly church. It's going to be a church that's on fire. And I want to be on fire for God every day, every day. Matthew 25 and verse 1 through 13. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and they took no oil with them. But the 
wives took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out to meet him. And all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil. For our lamps are gone out. But the wise answer saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you. But go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. While they went to buy, the bridegroom came. They that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. We know the rest. Afterward came also the other, saying, Lord, open unto us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. In verse 13, there's that word. Watch, therefore. For you know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. Five were wise and five were foolish. Upon taking their lamps, five carried oil and five did not. Notice all ten had lamps. But without oil, the lamps will not give off the necessary light. And I'm probably fixing to go way out on a limb here. So please bear with me. This is not doctrine. But I just thought about this, and, and it just. David said that the word is a lamp. So I just thought about that. Could it be that they had the word so they knew what to do? They just never follow through. They had it in their head. They didn't have it in their heart. The five foolish, they made a huge mistake. They thought they had plenty of time. They became complacent. They said, we've got, we got time to take care of that. I'm just going to live the way I want to now. We'll worry about the necessary stuff later. The same happened in the days of Noah. He diligently built the ark while people made fun of him. Perhaps some believed him. We don't know. But they didn't act on it. The same mentality is prevalent even today. I've got plenty of time. Well, do we? I don't think so. Because my Bible says, watch, therefore, no man knows the day or the hour when our Lord will return. Maybe 10 years from now, and it may be 10 seconds from now. That's why I said, let your loins be girded about and your lights burning. And ye yourselves like unto men that wait for their Lord when he will return from the wedding, that when he cometh a knocking, that ye may open unto him immediately. Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find watching. Verily I say unto you, that he shall gird himself and make them to sit down to meet, and will come forth and serve them. <clears throat> 
I served in the Army National Guard for about eight years, and I use a lot of illustrations from that, and I've probably used this one before, but please forgive me. I believe that God allows us to go through things sometimes that I may not understand why then. But complacency is an absolute killer. I don't beat around the bush about that. It is a killer. And it is the deadliest thing in combat. For the first few months in Iraq, we set up a an old uh, Air Force base that had been bombed in the 90s. And we set up a logistical station there that was a staging area for all the other units to come and stage everything for them to go on to other places. We were a construction unit and we did a lot of heavy machinery and we paved and we had a, our own quarry, our own asphalt plant and all that. doesn't really matter, but, you know, we weren't, we weren't infantry men. We were just a bunch of guys from Live Oak. <laughs> Man, when those mortar rounds would go off and you could hear them, we would we would be on we would be on. We'd have people ready. You don't know what's going to happen. Got, Brother Davis, you you know about this. You know about complacency and combat and how deadly it is. We would we would have teams that would go out and, and just stand guard and just wait. I mean, it's dead of the night. You can't see mortars. You can just hear them. But as time marched on, and we never really saw any results from that because they weren't really good shots. We just sort of kind of quit doing all that stuff. We just stand there and listen. That's pretty far away. We're good. It got to the point to where I would actually wake up and hear them and roll right back over and go back to sleep. I don't stand here proud of that. It was a very dumb thing to do. Because one night, contact was made. And there were a lot of casualties that were that were the result of that because nobody was ready everybody was just kind of playing around they bombed a hospital one of the most vulnerable places and that's all I'm going to say about that we've heard all of our lives that Jesus is coming We've heard warnings to be vigilant because the enemy seeks to destroy you. He seeks to ruin your walk with God so that you're not ready when he returns. 
Much like in the garden, Jesus visits us. He admonishes us to wake, watch, pray. The poor season we do, we adjust and we fix ourselves and we we redirect ourselves and we we get back on track, but and we just kind of drift back into slumber. And he comes again, and he sends me unto a desk to say, watch, pray, be ready for another season. We lift our heads, and we muster strength, and we fight, only to fall back into the same routines. I hope you know that I'm talking to me. (laughs) But there's going to come a time when he comes. And that's going to be it. And time will be no more. It's nothing to fear. It's nothing to be afraid of. It's fulfillment of promise. John 14 and 1. Let your heart not be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. I'm going to ask you to stand. In the meantime, I have a mandate that when he returns, I won't be found in slumber but I'll be found watching and praying and ready. And as we lift our hands tonight and as we do as we always do when we gather for family prayer and you step out of your seats, you're not necessarily making the proclamation that you are in some backslidden state apart from God you're making the proclamation tonight to yourself and to the world around you and to the enemy and to God himself that you don't want to be and that you want to be found watching and praying when he returns I don't know about you but I don't want this to be just another season. Of going through any type of motion. I want to get I want to get real with God. He's never been anything other than that with me. And I want to get
right with God. I want to give him everything that he deserves from my life. I want to be ready when he needs me to be ready. I want to be awake and alive when he needs me to be awake and alive. Because I've said before and I'll say again, everything that we do, every decision that we make not only affects us, but it affects everything around us. And we can't fall back into a state of inertia and not think that it would affect our friends, our family, our co-workers. They've seen us, how we are on fire for God, and then we kind of drift back, and we don't talk about it as much anymore. They see that. (laughs) I want to be on fire from Him every day that I live. And that's not easy to do in the world that we live in. And so that's why it's a battle. That's why it's a fight. That's why we've got to press toward the mark. We've got to. We have a world in need. We have a family that's counting on us to stay awake, to stay at the helm, to say, I've I've got this. I'm going to do what you want me to do. Oh, can we lift our hands? Can we lift our hands and our voices? If you want to find a place to pray, just get along with God. Let's do that. Let's, let's, let's touch the throne of God. And let Him mold us and make us. Let him to revive us. <laughs> revive us, oh God. Revive us, oh God. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.